called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Welcome everybody to the Bizzlecast uh, episode of the Awkward Controllers with Ethan, the long-awaited Destiny Two lore podcast. Uh, but it's not just going to be about lore. I want to talk about the characters, the races, the aliens, the good guys, the bad guys, the traveler, all the all the the darkness, all, the, all this stuff. Uh, but Ethan, I was thinking about this while I was listening to it. I was reading stuff on Wikipedia and so forth, and I broke it down to three things. Okay, which is a lore. Like the actual story, B, how it's delivered uh, to the player, the various ways. So that's going to be tied together. And then the third will be what you just teased two seconds ago, which is great because I want to talk about, which is the lore spectacular. Does it translate into character building and immersion for the average or even above average like me player? Um and so forth. When a lot of it is, you know, reading and also reading between the lines um, I think we can agree that it's it's more uh, upfront and accessible than than Dark Souls, right? I mean, you have to get like a PhD in Dark Souls to understand what's going on, or just watch a bunch of videos. But yeah, so I have Dark Souls on one end of the spectrum, and then I have Horizon and Witcher on the other end, just in the sense of. You know, everything great about The Witcher and Horizon, in my opinion, is tied up into the story. And all the cool lore stuff is because of the characters and the delivery in the story, rather than it being some super original, you know, thing or whatever. I think Destiny is extremely original, but they do have a delivery problem. I agree with you. So uh, that was the order of the three I was going to go in, but I I don't want to stop your your train of thought. Would you rather start with the the overall critique of it? Or because I I just want to hear your kind of you know like uh, basic like for dummies you know for the listeners like here's the story of destiny and here's how we got to the point where we're at right now so i'll leave it up to you where to start there i would say if you want like a comprehensive like universe like timeline go watch the video because the video is going to do it better than video is great he's very poetic you know and and all that stuff um yeah and and there's there's that there's that and then there's also just you know it uh it's an hour and a half video he's also putting out an updated version of that video soon encompassing the additional slate that's happened up till now um but more importantly uh i can't recite an hour and a half video okay okay this type of podcast i I, I expected this reaction so So I'm, i'm i'm prepared i'm prepared I would prefer if you ask me specific yep. points yep. on what, because yep. I know what you've played through. The That's game. where we're going. That's so where I'd going. rather you ask me questions about what yeah. you want to know about. Now, a disclaimer, Ethan. I mean, we didn't specifically talk about this. You know, this is going to happen. One of the reasons Destiny's lore is great is because it draws from a, a wide swath of science fiction, near future, speculative fiction, dystopian uh, literature, apocalyptic. Yeah, mythology, um, religious, tons of religious themes, obviously, the darkness and the light, you know, a, a lot of Jedi stuff, uh, you know, but, but, but its own spin on it. So if I make comparison, I'm going to not try to make t- too many comparisons, but like, if I make comparisons, it's going to be A, to help explain to the listener something they're more familiar with, um, you know, if it's complicated, or, or B, just sort of a brilliant implementation, because I am, I am the believer that no art is original and, 
any artist who says that it's nonsense all great art it draws from other great art you know um and uh and so i i think let, let, let me put this as my opening salvo ethan i haven't uh, uh, uh dive into the lore nearly as much as, as you or other people but it it never feels like it's specifically stealing uh, like a specific thing, if that makes sense, you know, it's not like, Oh, we're taking the lightsaber, you know, I mean, there is the darkness and the light. Um, and so that's just a compliment, but you know, in general, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's not original, but it's also not derivative at the same time. We'll we'll get into that. So, okay. So the world of destiny and starts sort of like, um, uh, in star Trek, where there's World War Three or World War Four in like the twenty second century, and you know half the world's annihilated, uh, but they discover warp drive despite everything. It attracts the uh, the, the Vulcans. The Vulcans come, uh, and then there it ushers in an era of peace and tranquility with, with with the Federation for hundreds of years, leading up through all the Star Trek shows that we've seen. Essentially, now they're starting to question the dark side. You know, in the movies, and now with the Picard. Series, Series and even Discovery, we see more of like the dark side, I guess, of of, of the universe. But in general, humanity is united in uh, you know in perfect medicine, perfect living conditions, no poverty, no hunger, etc. This is how destiny starts uh, in right in the very beginning of the lore, which I was not aware of. And it's it's just straight up alien invasion, or at least it seems at first. Uh, that that disrupts it rather than humans killing themselves. Did I get that about right? Yeah, so uh, the the gist of it is you wake up tomorrow, there's this foreign white sphere on Mars, and then next year we send uh, a representation of our planet uh, to That's a traveler. It. It's the traveler. Okay. We bring it home. Right. And when we bring it home, it basically grants us, it sends humanity into a golden age uh, where a whole bunch of cool shit happens. But it, and, and then, that seems you know, to and, be the and, case. And then, and then, but, but the traveler is also running from the darkness, which happens to find his way into the system. I find it interesting in my experience, almost 100 hours of Destiny maxing out or partially maxing out two characters and you know going through as, as much of the lore as possible no one is seems to put together that the traveler drew all the badness to the solar system or am i missing something um the majority of humanity doesn't like or at least the remnants of humanity uh it, after the collapse is what they call it after the darkness struck and basically shut down the golden age I mean, the first fifteen minutes. Sorry, the first fifteen minutes of the video. He he, he specifically talks about how the traveler shows up, golden age, space travel, everything, and then. But there is a connection with the darkness and the traveler, and, and I even see that. You even see that in the Red War at the beginning of Destiny Two, which I thought was interesting. I still don't understand. I mean, let's put it this way. Yes, watching that guy's video for 10 minutes, I understand the Traveler better than I, I I did just in Destiny 2, but it was such a cool concept, this sort of like living star planet thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... Uh, what do you see it as? When you envision it, like, is it an AI? Is it alien? Is it so ancient we can't understand it? Well, 
we know because of the events of the Red War, we know it's a machine. But we don't know, like, what it is specifically. And there's some deeper theory stuff um, that uh, we can get into later that after we explain it and, like, talk about it a little bit more. As long as they're keeping track of it. Uh, that, that, that will loop back to this. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give this away because it's going to be a little too complex and it's going to throw everything off. Like, well, the bottom line is like, it was followed by the darkness, whatever the relation right, is. Right. It, 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 regardless of that, it, the Traveler naturally atta- attracts its enemy, which is the darkness. Which begs the question why it came here, and if it's benevolent, then it must have known that it, they were going to cause the near genocide of all of humanity. But they must think... They must... I mean... So, you know at the end of... Um, which campaign is it? Is it the end of Red War? Where they suck, suck, uh, cycle outside of the Milky Way? And then you see new invaders mm-hmm. coming into the galaxy? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that. So, this is... This is like... This is like such an American tale... Right, like America sees itself as this island defending freedom and democracy, and everyone's trying to attack us, and so we got to go out there and attack everyone. This is an American story, but it's classic science fiction. But it's interesting that it seems the traveler is drawn to 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 the solar system, then then the darkness is drawn to the traveler and the solar system. The traveler must think, you know, we're we're good for something, you know, that humans are important for like the last stand. And I hate to bring in, you know, destiny and religion and stuff, but they call it the light and the darkness, and there's tons of religious terminology uh, throughout the game, um, especially, obviously, from the Warlocks and Ikora, but, um, yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, So, like, what, I guess what I'm asking is, you don't need to explain it, but it can't be a coincidence that within a relatively short time, the Traveler shows up. And then all these alien species start trying to colonize and destroy and murder. Well, so let's talk about one of those real fast. And we talk about, like, whether humanity is worthy or not. That's one of the big questions that Gaul brings up during the Red War and this and that. And then you shoot him in the face and that's the end of it. (laughs) Um, So what's funny about this is the Elixti, or as the Fallen as they're called. The Fallen, yeah. They actually were blessed by the Traveler at one point until the tra- until the darkness attacked and the Traveler left them. So, and so basically the Elixir or the Fallen have chased the Traveler here and they're trying to attack us and take the Traveler back. Hmm. And so that, so that, that's how that ties in. And so all the alien Reese's mm-hmm. actually have good motivations and like decent reasons why they're doing what they're doing. So when uh, okay, and a certain air of mystery about. So I think maybe working backward, not just going through all the early history, but working backwards from the game itself. So when you start the game, you male, female, three different classes, three different races, essentially. So my question is, Ethan, and I honestly don't know the answer to this because I know when the Vex came and the Fallen and blah blah blah, and all you know, I mean, they all kind of look the same to me, but I get it. <clears throat> and the connection to the darkness. Uh, some of them are just lost aliens. You know, some of them are, are primitive species. Some of them are under the spell of a greater darkness. All, all the sci-fi tropes, but they executed very well. Wh- who, <laughs> Cade and um, uh, my species when I was a warlock, and, and, or Zavala species, 
When did they come and had the they- Awoken? What? The Awoken. The Awoken. Well, those are two different race species, though. So there's you have humans, you have Awoken, and you have Exos. Mm. So the Awoken are um, who came first? Are a species. If you want to go chronologically, all around the same time, the Exos and the Awoken would have showed up at the same, around the same time. Did they come after all the shit first. hit the fan and they murdered all the people in the asteroid belt and the aliens invaded and everything? So Exos are a part of humanity's long given quest to try to become immortal. So they're they're actually okay. Just, so they're just they're just they're human brains and robot bodies. So that's all they are. So it's it's ghost in the shell stuff. Okay, and so here's here's a cool thing about exos, just to give you a, a quick. Like, Do they have souls? Brief idea of what they are. In your opinion, Do they have yes. souls. Okay, but you'll notice that all of the exos have a number next to their name. So, for example, mm-hmm. Banshee. Banshee's the gunsmith. Banshee has the number forty four next to him. All of the exos have this number because that is the number of times that their memories have been wiped because the brain has rejected their bodies Hmm. and so they have to keep wiping their memories in order for them to keep living on and so each time each number based on the number Hmm. the number is the number of times they've been wiped and rebooted by the way side note i am noticed immediately that kate six was not nathan fillion in forsaken uh it was a great job by nolan north nolan north it was an excellent job by nolan north but this is one of the many reasons Bungie is saying fuck you to Activision is because Activision wouldn't pony up money for Nathan Fillion to, to be more involved and have his actual voice. He spe- it's possible. Nathan Fillion specifically did. mentioned Activision in his sort of uh, grumbly comments and not Bungie, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Yep. That's what I think happened. And they were already paying Nolan North tons of money, so they're like, here's some more money to Nathan Fillion. You can... <laughs> I mean... He he does Nathan Drake. It's unbelievable. Who's based on Nathan Fillion? It's this is all so bizarre. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Do you know Aldrin, the mm-hmm. the guy who shot Cade? So it's funny. His voice actor was actually doing the mocap mm-hmm. for Zavala. Um, some of the actors had to take on like weird roles and so it's very weird that like yeah well this guy's voice acting this but he's doing mocap for somebody else Bungie hopefully even though they don't have the most money now that they have more autonomy can do like what ubisoft does where they're like hey john bernthal come in for two months with special actual special ops people and do actual motion capture for everything in the entire game maybe that's too expensive uh no, they do that. They each Bungie Bungie's not very focused on cutscenes. Kate um, moves like Mal though a little bit. I mean, he, he, you can see it with Nathan Fillion. I think I'm not saying he did it, but they they animate it great. They, when Bungie makes cutscenes, they're very well made. Great cutscenes, amazing, spectacular. I mean, that's the thing. Red War, Red War totally sucked me into the game. And the thing is, dude, none of the Assassin's Creed games have a big bombastic start to them and that's part of the problem is 
you know, in, 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 let's put it this way. In the good Assassin's Creed games, which have been the more recent ones, you have to grind hours and hours and hours before you get any major real story stuff going on. Um, and in that way, Destiny is more like Skyrim, Witcher, and Horizon, and, and, and Zelda, and getting the story going right off the bat. I know they're all different how they do it, and they don't tutorialize it, which is which is great, but... I loved playing through the Red War the first time. I love playing through Red War the second time, man. I mean, I think Warmind is is better than Osiris uh, and Forsaken. Really, that's interesting. Uh, well, I don't know. The, I, I also have a, I have, no, no, I have a huge crush. I have a really waifu crush on the Asian girl from Mars. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, okay. Okay. What's her name? I can't remember her name. Anna Bay. Anna Bay. Anna Bay. Bray. Anna Bray. Actually, Bray Industries, like her family, like owns the owns it or something. Um, yeah, but so uh, so they yeah. so they're the ones responsible for making the exos, right? And, and and this exact thing happens in Horizon Zero Dawn. The difference is Horizon Zero Dawn goes completely Terminator, uh, you know, uh, uh, Skynet. And like t- even worse, like they're they're uh, machines are, are it's like more like the Matrix. They're powering themselves off of organic matter, and so humans have to bury themselves deep in the earth. Almost everyone's murdered. They wait a thousand years, and then they come out, and there's robot dinosaurs. And like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Um, but here, the exos are are are, are forces for good, um, and. Uh, Nathan Villian did say he, in the right circumstances, he would love to play Cades one through five. Yeah. Um, so um, so okay. So there's three races, but I'm still confused as to when they showed up as opposed to when all. The, uh, it makes more sense from like me playing Doom and Quaking games like that and regular science it, fiction. I get that enemies show up and be, you're just invaded. But what are these other? Uh, uh, fine, the Exos, but but the the Awoken. Did they follow uh, the Fallen and everyone to to no. Earth? So so I'll I'll. So this is going to be a slightly longer one because this one's a little more complicated. Go. And you'll be able to get... You, so once you play Forsaken, you're going to get a lore book called the Marasena. Yep. And according to Bife, this lore book is one of the best pieces of fiction he has ever read, period. Oh, it's a book um, book. Like top, 10, like top 10 material. This isn't like a yeah. missed book. You open um, up and it's like 12 pages. It's great, but then that's it. Uh, I think it's like twenty four. That's that's legitimate short storylines. That's that's good. Yeah, I mean, dude, even the it's lore, good. It's really good. The, the lore that come, you know, when you go to your subclasses, um, the I know some people probably are annoyed by the hologram thing when you get new powers. I think it's great, it, and well, not all the writing is amazing. Like the 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 world building and philosophy and philosophizing and, and religious stuff. Uh, that comes along now that I've done it all the way through. Mostly a warlock and um, uh, Titan it is very interesting. Um, uh, sorry, go go ahead. Yeah. So, so with the Awoken, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to skip a whole bunch of the important, like the the character stuff, just because that's not really important to the story. But so during the when the darkness invaded and when it attacked the traveler. A bunch of and this. This is fun because it'll connect back to Clovis Bray. Um, uh, the Warmind Rasputin, which is like a like a crazy supercomputer that humanity built, 
uh, like did all this prediction calculation and was like, oh shit, there's no way to fend this thing off. So it basically, without the people realizing, basically started ordering like kind of massive evacuations and getting people on colony ships and getting them out of the system as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, uh, none of the colony ships made it out. But one of these colony ships basically during the attack said, we do not stand for the traveler and we are not here. Um, we, we, we do not stand with them. We are a third party. We are, we're not with them. And what happened next is the ship gets dragged into the singularity and the people who everyone on the ship wakes up as an awoken and they are half light half dark people basically wait wait so what so what converted them something the darkness did but because they pleaded for their lives and said we are third party are they human genetically like they were human they're now awoken but there's no alien well no there is alien this there's not they were transformed and then they you know made more In your minds, they are Earthlings if they're not human. Is, is that correct? Earthlings? No. As, as, no as, as, trans- uh, so, go ahead. No, they were definitely like fully transformed. Right. And for millennia now, they have been... Or not millennia. Millennia is the wrong word. Okay, so... Um, for a long time now, they have created their own culture. Okay. In uh, a different realm. So... They're they're the equivalent of elves is the best way to think about them. So it's basically like the Exos, but instead of the physical form, it's in the spiritual form. And that's the elves connection versus the Exos, who I guess would be more like dwarves or... um, Kind hmm. of. There definitely is a physical difference. Don't don't mistake that. Right. It, it, but but, but substantially it's in the magic and the religion and the spirituality. Right. I mean, if you were trying to make a comparison to something, yes. Cade six, it, 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 it would be more human than humans, so. which is why everyone loves him. The Zavala and, and the awoken, you never th- really feel are, are totally human elves is exactly what i thought it's a great comparison you know everyone always uses the elves a thing um they also they're also immortal just like elves or rather they don't have lifespans but they can die they still have lifespans yeah okay which brings up the big thing which is the ghosts and the being able to, uh, as guardians, be regenerated back to life over and over again. Is this a midichlorian force thing, George Lucas stuff? No. So, when the Traveler was attacked, once it fended off the darkness, using its the, fight, the remaining of its power, at least according, this is according to the Speaker, um, who we don't always trust or like, according to the lore, um... Who's not uh, really mentioned Destiny 2. It basically spawned all of these ghosts. And it sent out the ghosts to choose warriors in its stead. Um, and the ghosts are basically mini light robots that are designed to, you know, keep you alive. They are data, like Star Trek Next Generation, data-esque, but small, purely benevolent, 
brilliant, helping humans no matter what, completely never condescending, a thousand percent built to help well, I don't want to say humans, but again, Earthlings, I don't know what to call them. The, 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 Defenders the, of the light. It's the, They're designed to serve the light and nothing else. Right, but ultimately, if we're talking about where you live, we're talking about the solar system. So the people of the soul system, uh, right, the people of the star system, um, yes, they're Defenders of the light, but they all generate from this system, at least partially, originally, as opposed to the Vex and the Fallen and so forth, who are not from here whatsoever, and they're just like, you well, know. That's the interesting thing about the ghosts, though. So they choose... By the way, Ghost in the Shell. It's not very subtle, Ethan. Ghost shells. I mean, it's a a great tribute. It's a great tribute. They, 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 um, the the ghosts themselves choose the warriors to revive, but the warriors themselves have a bunch of control over the ghosts. And so there are many examples in the lore of just the ghosts not being able to do or not be able to serve the light because their guardians refuse to do so. Once the ghost has given the gift of life to a guardian, of the light to a guardian, they cannot take it away. They can only refuse to return them, but they they won't ever do that. They, there has never been an example in the lore mm. where a ghost has refused to revive a guardian if they if they fall in battle. Um, and this is the thing. So that's- there, there, there are there are like a great example of this is there's a there's a there's a colony on a planet in the system of pacifist guardians who refuse to fight anymore, and they still have their ghosts and their ghosts hang with them because they have nothing else to do. Once they have chosen their guardian, they have to stay with them. <laughs> the Clone Wars deals with this too. Yeah, mm-hmm. clones who run away. But this is the thing that Destiny 2 does terribly in the beginning, is explain why you are a guardian. Did you take a medicine? Did you sell your soul to the devil? Why can Cade and everybody else, as long as their ghosts are around, we can keep regenerating indefinitely? It's convenient for the game. Obviously, they needed to do it. But the little bit of lore explanation as to why I'm a, a gar- I have the abilities of the guardian, because in The Witcher... Only Siri, uh, you know, uh, uh, has this level of of, uh, of uh, you know ability essentially to to come back from death over and over and over again. Um, uh, Gandalf does, but it's like never happened in Middle Earth before. This is a pretty big power being able to come back over and over again. And I don't. And again, I wasn't thinking about it because I had played Destiny One to a certain degree, and I didn't really care. I figured I'd get the lore later. Um, and I didn't even think about that they were like trying to justify, like I don't know if they should have tried to justify you coming back to life over and over again. It's a fucking video game. Um, but I appreciate that that they do it. So my character, all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, the light's back. The guardians are back." It, it, it doesn't really make sense to me as a Destiny Two player. At what point in the? Never. It never story. makes. It, it never makes sense. It's it's like. They're so, shocked that I'm, you know, because they they think their light is never coming back, and they're on their last life, um, the the main vanguard, uh, and then they see yeah. me, and they're like, "Oh, the light's back," and I'm like, "Okay, what?" 
Well, because so so it's such a it's such a huge shock to to the guardians because again again if you were if you were a soldier and you were told yeah you can die but like you'll just come back a few seconds later old man right? dwarf like john's calling you you just right like you would you would be very you would be very like You'd be very cocky. You would be like, "Yeah, I can just keep. I can do this all day." But is this a Luke um, Skywalker thing? Okay, so say I'm a kid and I hear the stories about Cade Six, and I hear the stories about my character, I hear the stories about Zavala, and I'm a kid. I'm like, I want to grow up and be a guardian on the Vanguard. Can I do that, or do I need to have midichlorians like Luke and Anakin Skywalker? No, a ghost needs to revive you. Period. So it's a spiritual, a straight up religious spiritual connection with a ghost. So you're telling me the traveler has just straight up resurrection Lazarus pit abilities. Just, just it, they're gifting us resurrection, but only a certain number of people. It goes to another level because. So like we've talked, um, I, I've, or I, I've mentioned to you, so you once, but I'll say it again. So, you know how the Vex, right? The Vex are time-traveling robots. Right. And they can simulate anything, and they can do their testing, and that, that, that's how they like to conquer. Right, and some of the cooler missions in Osiris are about, uh, uh, like, uh, um, regenerating the past, present, or future uh, in right. simulations. Right. Well, the light, um, the light itself is, um, is paracausal, meaning that basically... The, the Vex can't simulate it, and thus that's why Guardians are able to defeat them. It's why the Vex cannot defeat Guardians, at least not in the same... At, at least they're not as effective um, as, say, like against a race that did not have the light um, or any other like effective means to combat them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the same way that like the light is kind of like this just absolutely broken like power it's mm-hmm. because you know it's paracausal mm-hmm. you can't die unless you know the ghost dies or or you're like, in a or, no or respawn zone boo <laughs> right right no i'm just i'm kidding, I'm but, kidding. but like the, that, that, that's how guardians die is yeah. their ghost gets taken away yeah if the ghost can't revive you you're dead like you're just you're stuck there right so they had to kill Cade's ghost and then kill Cade. And they use the specific they, they use the specific weapon to do so. You so, can't just shoot any normal bullet. Okay, at a, so gel explode. I'm sending you a photo. I'm doing we're doing a little interlude here. We're, we're gonna gush over the game. I'm gonna send you a little photo over Discord. Here it comes. Now this might not seem like much, Ethan. Yeah, this might not seem like much, which is my beautiful. Beautiful, custom, legendary, gifted ship flying over Earth with its white and blue and Earth's white and blue. But, you know, it, it looks so gorgeous, just the ship transportation, location, location. And then you get the custom ships and then you can color the ships and you can, I mean, the customization uh, is almost to the point of um, obsession but but the game also limits the amount of time that you have to d- d- 
do, you know, like if you just do your tasks and you do the missions, you get stuff and you can find something that works for you, you know? Um, I mean, if you're a completionist in Destiny, I feel really sorry for you. Um, but th- just watching my ship fly from destination to destination, that, that is so fascinating and so beautiful. Everything is so beautiful. And dude, but I have, I- back to Cade, Death of Cade. I thought, and so Ethan's a big fan of Skill Up. Um, who's a, is he, he's primarily a YouTuber like Jim Sterling, right? I mean, they both get like yeah. half a million to a million views per video. Yeah, he's a, his main content is game journalism. Yeah. Um, and he has ads. That's fine. Uh, I think he should do Patreon. Maybe he does also do Patreon. He does ads, which is fine. Um, but he's, he's a very, uh, articulate guy. Um, uh, he's not afraid to take unpopular opinions, including the breath of the wild, Ethan. I'm surprised that you still are friends with him in your brain, uh, a- after his critique of breath of the wild. Um, unlike who insists that, uh, horizon zero dawn cannot get a bad review. Well, no, he doesn't like, he doesn't like horizon either. He doesn't like horizon. No, he doesn't. Um, and, uh, uh, he, he doesn't like open world games in general, um, unless they have transcendent stories like The Witcher. Um, he loves The Division 2. He loved Destiny 1, hated Destiny 2 until Forsaken. Now is back on the Destiny train, apparently. Um, but I watched his Forsaken review because I knew the little I knew about him and you, I knew that he had an up and down relationship with Destiny. It's like Schreier and almost all Destiny people and, and journalists and, and media have an up and down relationship with Destiny. But I knew that, you know, that the headline was that we finally got the sequel with Forsaken. And while I don't necessarily agree with it because he's a Dark Souls guy and he loves how Dark Soulsy the bosses are in Forsaken, which is already like, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I know it'll be interesting, but like I, I can already tell, it's like I gotta figure out the, the you know the inner psyche of each boss, whatever. Blah blah blah. He does a great job of describing it, um, but he does talk about man how the killing of Cade was sad, but it was also symbolic of he, he thought, and I guess hardcore Destiny, uh, vanilla Destiny fans, correct me if I'm wrong thought it was getting too jokey and too light in Destiny 2 until Forsaken when they killed Cade, and now you have more dimensional bad guys. They're spending a lot more time developing bad guys who are more human and who are more, like, scary, who are more, like, Loki kind of characters than Ronan, I guess, if that makes sense, or Thanos. Um, Am I I hitting in in the right ballpark here a little bit uh, in terms of why? I mean, let's put it this way. Did you feel that way? Did you feel like Destiny 2 was too Marvel and, and now they're moving back towards DC or something? The the, the best way to describe Cuz that's how he just, per- that's how he portrays it. Destiny 1 was way too like very DC, very moody. Yeah, he said it then takes itself King way King too hit, seriously, too much. Yeah. Then, then taking King hits and it's way a, a bit more lighthearted and it's like way it feels way more like mm-hmm. an action shooter. It feels like you're going in there to do some epic shit. Um, Rise of Iron was kind of the same way, and then Destiny Two comes in and it leans way too hard into the 
Kate Six is the jokester. Right. This is the Marvel. Side note, as an outsider, I would have been happy with more humor, but in your favor and Skillup's favor and and those people, it did feel that they didn't have a handle on like all the Joss Whedon Avengers movies, all of the Russo Captain America and Avengers movies and the James Gunn Guardians movies, like they know when to be serious and when to be jokey for the most part. And it felt like in the early Destiny 2, they weren't quite sure. I was thrilled, man, because I wasn't expecting Destiny to be as colorful um, as uh, kind of, you know, like um, uh, fast movement based on um, beautiful, uh, but also having a sense of humor. I appreciated it, you know, and I remember, you know, I've seen like Nathan Fillion panels where people were like, my favorite character you've done is Cade Six. I'm like, I get that you're a gamer. It's not Malcolm Reynolds, but it's not for lack of trying from Nathan Fillion. And they're really trying to make a statement with it, man. And I think that it ultimately worked in their favor because both the inner narrative and the meta narrative of Cade dying is absolutely brilliant for the, the, I guess, third phase or fourth phase, however you want to describe Destiny going forward. Agree or disagree? I mean, they needed to they, they they needed to create a death, and Kate's death made sense as the character that we're attached to. And then they what, what was fantastic about it is they then followed up with another character mm. that is just as charming, just as dramatic, and very very interesting. Um, but is? he's not Kate, and that's what the, he, he's not just a Kate replacement. Who he is a about? new character. Uh, you, you may have met him. You probably have. This is the Drifter we're talking about. I know the Drifter. I just I haven't done the Gambit stuff or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 this is the Drifter, and the, the Drifter is very interesting. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think you can ever have enough Nathan Fillion in science fiction, and because Destiny Two was way more colorful and way just more fun, right? Off. I mean, it was still scary too. I mean, they they have very Doom and Quake esque characters that pop out of nowhere in dark places and stuff um as well as the more predictable kind of platforming you know uh levels or whatever you want to call it um but you can't have enough nathan fillion i'm sorry gina torres gina torres does tons of work on network television voice work live action work she's gorgeous she's amazing as zoe and firefly but you cannot beat Gita Torres and Nathan Fillion making fun of each other, uh, and I, I, I question the, the decision to kill Cade, I, honestly. Um, and it smells to me like a mix of like we can't get Nathan Fillion back, and we want to we want to go grim dark again, back towards Game of Thrones type stuff. Um, and by the way, dude, the fact that. You, so you know when you really get started with Forsaken with the spider and then you get that long video showing all the bad guys you have to beat and they're basically showing it to you on playing cards right Uh, they're showing you all the bad guys as they 
That's exactly what happens at the beginning of Ghost Recon, which is a way less g- good and interesting game, but I still love Ghost Recon, which is at the beginning of Ghost Recon Wildlands, you, you get like the 16 major drug dealers in Bolivia described in the same way with the same playing cards. I just thought that was really hilarious. Uh, you know, Skillop specifically said he liked knowing all of the bosses that he had to beat, and then the fact that they, uh, you know, were so different to beat or whatever um, was was interesting to him, which is cool. I'm glad. I'm glad people seem to be getting back into Destiny. Um, but really quickly, though, before we completely leave the lore, so like, where is the lore at now in terms of the Traveler? So the traveler seems to be dead, but then he comes back to life to help you defeat the, the bad guys in the Red War. Yeah. I, I question the traveler's uh, intentions, man. I, I mean, yeah, there, there there are a lot of questions about that. Yeah. Uh, for example, for example, uh, how come after you know how the traveler looked before? Right, uh, the Red War attack. Right, how he, uh, how there's that giant hole on the bottom of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how come the hole is on the bottom? It's a huge, it's a huge theory question that's put up. Well, that's put like out. saying why is our asshole so, where our asshole is? You know. Well, 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 well. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. The leading theory uh-huh. is that just like how the traveler left the fallen, the traveler was going to leave us as well, and. Good. Uh, Leave let's us. Just say, let, let, let's just say. Let's just say that something on Earth happened to ground the traveler and keep it here. Maybe I've read too much science fiction, but I think the traveler ends up being the big baddie. Not intentionally, but like because he's drawing all the evil to to us. It, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. It's possible. Well, not a big baddie. There's a lot of sides. So, you know how people say, okay, spoiler alert, even you know this. People say Joel, it turns out to be a bad guy with Ellie and uh, Last of Us. Have you heard this whole thing? No, but I don't. So, basically, the whole thing is... You know, his uh, when when the apocalypse goes down, Joel's daughter and, and wife are killed. He's traumatized, especially about his daughter. And so he takes Ellie on as, as sort of a rebel against most people, which are turning into savages as there's zombies ravaging the world. So he's actually a good guy, but he treats her like shit for most of the game because he can't get his daughter out of, out of his head, and she has to win him over again. And it turns out that she is immune to the zombies and that's why it's like it's exactly like children of men actually uh with the one woman who's pregnant the young african girl who's pregnant who clive owens trying to save um and so they're trying to save this girl and it turns out that when he meets the butterflies who are the fishes and the children of men when he meets the butterflies it turns out that they've determined that the only way that they can extract her immunity is to kill her and take her body apart and try and create a vaccine and he murders everybody in the hospital while she's unconscious and then when they're running away and she wakes up he lies to her and says they were bad and try to kill her and so everyone says joel's a bad guy because he should have sacrificed her for the good of humanity and i say to that 
bullshit. So I think it's going to be that sort of scenario with the Traveler. The Traveler is not trying to be a bad guy, but it's so ancient and powerful and keeps attracting all these negative forces. Let's put it this way. I don't think the Traveler is going to be the bad guy, but I think we are going to have to destroy the Traveler out of self-preservation, especially with new aliens coming from outside the galaxy, it appears. I don't know what your opinion on that is. So, 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 so he, he... Here's the thing I didn't want to get into until a little later. Uh, so that, that, that that's a good point. To, this is a good point to bring it out. So the table is open at this point, man. Before, Literally any way you want to go. The, here's a little bit of context. This is going to be a little bit. So unless you need a clarification question, just no, just go. hang on. So, um, the um. Mm-hmm. Oryx back in the Taken King says a very particular line and he says the darkness is your final form. To, he's, he's saying this while you're battling him to your guardian. And so it's very interesting because there was this, in the lore there's this uh, warlock who basically comes out and says the very much like the force from Star Wars. He's like the light and the dark are in a very delicate balance. The stronger the light, the bigger shadows it casts. The stronger the dark, the brighter the light it creates. And so there's this very delicate balance between the two. And he was kind of exiled for being a heretic. But the more the more we find out about in the lore mm-hmm. and the more that events occur, the more this theory gets holds ground. Um, and so... Someone on some someone in someone from Saint Jude. This is funny. Someone from Saint Jude plays Destiny, and he was talking with Bife, and he said to Bife, "It's very interesting. The Traveler is a sphere. It is the most complex three dimensional shape there is, and the darkness, or at least what we think is the darkness, is in a pyramid or a tetrahedron. Mm-hmm. It is the most simple." three-dimensional shape you can have because the darkness is supposed to embody and this ties into the high right roundness means goodness and angular shapes not not quite not quite not quite not quite the hive embody um a lot uh, a lot of theories and a lot of the dark magics and a Mm. lot of the philosophies that the darkness also inhabits and one of them is the sword logic where it's very straightforward the strongest is the one at the top, and the strongest is the one to be obeyed, and this and that, and da 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 da. And so, if you're stronger, you have the right to X Y Z. Um, and so, the idea is is that you have the most simple ideas with the darkness, and the most complex with the light, and they're antitheses, obviously. Um, and is shown between so many different ways, whether it's the shape of the two forces, whether it's their philosophies, whether it's their, uh, whether it's how they, it's whether it's how they work. The traveler spawned a billion guardians to, to fight for it. And the darkness has its main champions that are the strongest and everything else is kind of just the disposable minion. Like it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very, like I was saying, it, it, it's a very antithesis metaphor for how the whole thing is set up. 
I think the lore, which we have only touched, scratched the surface, um, and we're going to keep talking about, the lore is so good and cool. I don't think they needed the light side of the force and the dark side of the force thing. I'm not saying I don't like it and it doesn't work. I'm just saying the lore, I think, was good enough that they didn't need the light in the dark. And in a lot of the missions that aren't that great, they try and cover it up by being like, this is it, the light of the dark, the the result of this mission. You know what I mean? It's... it's, they fall back on it, and the humanistic moments, like the death of Cade and people's response to it, to me is much more memorable and interesting. But again, this is as a Witcher Horizon, you know, player, and so you know, RPG player. I, I love my thick story and the character stuff. I mean, dude, even <laughs> Destiny, like some fraction of Destiny and Destiny Two, was what. Um, anthem was trying to accomplish like even a little bit you know and so it's like any critiques i can have of the single player uh, you know narrative of destiny is completely nullified because i can't point to anything including world of warcraft where you have to read books you know and stuff to 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 really get everything out of it I can't even think of an example where it's done nearly this well um, in, in in this setting. Uh, so yeah. Now, uh, before we uh, uh, do, do, you mind if we take a break in a minute here? Yeah, no, we'll take a definitely take a break. I do want to say I put in three hours of free World of Warcraft, and that game is shit. <laughs> uh, before before we quick go on a quick break here, I just want to end with this one thing. Um, well, the lore is not infallible, unfortunately. We also have to tease the next segment, but go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we will. Yeah. The lore is not infallible. Yep. Um, there, as Destiny is, fallibility is the least of its it, issues. The issue is not getting it into the game enough. Uh, well, out of the, people's there, there mouths, been, as opposed to just written down or delivered in pure exposition. there has been that, that wasn't where I was trying to go with that. Where I was trying to go with that, it was more of yeah. uh, there has been some retconning, unfortunately, and so there are still some subjects that are up in the air about how things are chronology. Well, uh, there's been multiple apocalyptic events. I totally could believe that the facts just get distorted over time. No, 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 no. Like, it, it was it was bungee retconned. Like, they wrote one thing. Don't ruin this for me, Ethan. I'm trying to keep it consistent. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it, it, they got some new writers in, and they mm. changed, They decided to change some of the stories. And so it, it's, 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 very, it, it's very dicey. Well, I um, want to talk about some of the characters. They haven't, yeah. they haven't done anything yeah. like that since since Destiny Two Year One. Yeah, and so they with, with Destiny when Destiny Two Year Two hit, which was Forsaken, they kind of threw they, they kind of left all the bad stuff behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, uh, thankfully that's that's the case. Um, well, my tease. I just, I just oh, wanted sorry. to throw it out there. This yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, no, this, definitely, this is, this definitely. Is we'll talk some more about it um, after the break, which won't be a break to you listeners, but just us. Um, but Eth, I did want to still to tease um, and lean in into the next section um, before we take our break, which is the stuff that's so memorable about Destiny is not the heavy exposition; it's the character moments, like in all the best movies, in all the best video games, and all the best books. 
It's the character moments. And so they spend so much time on this lore, but they really don't. I mean, they're really, the fact that like Cade's journals is like a major thing of lore just shows how much they understand. I'm not saying they're brilliant writers, but the fact that Cade's journals would be important and they understand how lore should be delivered in this scenario they just need to figure out, are we going to do more single-player narrative content where we can do it through interactions? And I like how there's constant talking during the missions. It keeps it interesting. But there could, you know, that's what you lose when you don't have Cade and Zavala going after each other, you know? Or we don't even see... And they, and, yeah. And, and the good news is they've experimented for the first time with something like that. And hopefully we're going to see more of it in the future. I think we are. I mean, I've told you, this will be the tease, because I, I do want to actually talk about some of the characters, man. I want to talk about the classes, because I think the Exo Hunter is is instant classic. I think the Exo Hunter in the original Destiny, on some of the covers and, and the promotional materials, the Exo Hunter look was an immediate selling point. And so Cade was absolutely brilliant from an aesthetic standpoint. So I do want to talk about some of these classes, some of these characters. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, I mean, Trier is, is more than convinced that they're bringing in uh, some of the better parts of, of wow, just a little bit more RPG stuff. You know what I mean? Like even maybe voices for your character or at least dialogue trees in some circumstances and so forth, which I think would be awesome and add to the stakes, you know, and be a nice break. That's the thing. That's the, you need a break between stuff and destiny, um, and all the shooting. Um, and so we'll talk about all that. So awesome, man. All right. So guys, we will be back in just a second. All right, buddy. Well, there's a lot of lore to dig into. Uh, it's definitely fascinating, and it, I think they're going to keep working it into the story and the characters and the narrative more and more. And just their attempt to blur uh, the distinction between single-player narrative, PvE, and PvP is very, very fascinating. Um, I've had some single-player missions where I can't it takes forever because there's level 50 uh, people all over the place murdering the people that I need to kill to, like, you know, get certain resources or whatever. Uh, but that just means it's populated. And every time I look on Twitter, it's like 10,000 people, Destiny, 800, the Division 2. <laughs> so it's, it's a lively community. But even, even. I sent you a screenshot of, of all my hours on Destiny, right? From Wasted on Destiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you notice something? Notice something a little off? Which is my 50 hours... You actually on- had time to see one? Well, well, not only that, but with 7 hours and 27 minutes, I was in the top 98 percentile. Now, with my PlayStation... Uh, first run with the warlock almost 50 hours i was in top 88 percent now i'm at about 39 hours on my pc uh titan character i'm top 81 percent but with seven hours and 27 minutes with destiny one i was in the top 98 percentile that's an unbelievable amount of growth between it and so i have to call skill up on bullshit 
I'm sorry if he thought it wasn't like grim dark and there was too much humor going on, but it clearly worked to attract people. And I know everyone agrees it got better with Forsaken in general, not just the Forsaken campaign, but everything they did with the weapons and the, you know, I mean, there was tons of changes. I get it, uh, you know, and I wasn't playing before them. Um, but do you find that interesting? You find that seven seven and a half hours puts me in the ninety eighth percentile from Destiny One, and and now ten thousand people at once on Twitch are watching each other play. I think it's uh, the other. I think it's like the other way around. Actually, I think okay. seven. I think I think when they say ninety eighth, it's um, that's very low. It, I, nope. Nope, no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not low. It's just because well, well, it, 88% it, it makes totally sense. 88% makes total it, sense for 50 hours. It it uh, is there's not, because there's not 88 there, there's not it, yeah, sorry. It it is because I have over 2000 hours I'm in the top 2 percentile. Yeah. Right. And what I'm saying is on the first destiny I had 7 and a half hours I'm in the top 2 percentile. It says, yeah, top 98%. I mean, I, Wasted on Destiny could be completely wrong about this, but if I'm going on Wasted on Destiny's facts, what that's saying is most people played Destiny for less than a handful of hours, and yet it didn't. not only did it not affect people with Destiny 2, but tons tons and tons of people jumped on board. Um, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I understand what you're saying. And so from a gameplay standpoint, yeah. I'm throwing it to you and curious what Destiny 2 has done to go from the average player playing three hours to the average player playing 20 to 30 hours. Because when D2 launched, it was the most perfect, focus-tested release of a game you can possibly get. There's a reason why it was the number one shooter when, it's, when it came out in 2017. Like, it's old more than COD, so that's, you know, that's a good milestone. Um, here's what they did. Here's what they did, though. They took the, they took the information that, that came as, we think the game is too boring and too grindy, so you should make everything really easy to get. So if you've, everything is really easy to get, you get everything, and then you stop playing. Because you have gotten everything. And what they did from Destiny 2 Year 1 to Destiny 2 Year 2, or from Destiny 2 Launch to Forsaken, the difference being is Forsaken gave us a whole bunch of crap to go get. And it's a lot more fun because of it. And Skillop made this exact argument that you made, which is a good argument. But I don't think it's just that. I think it's how polished it is, how satisfying the gun. I mean, I, who was it that... I don't think it was Skill Up. Who was, it might have been Trier talking about how there's no shooter of any kind that just feels better um, to shoot. <laughs> it, it's been like that since D1, though. That That's not it. Right, right, right. I'm assuming a lot of people discovered it. It's like, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, everyone saw original Star Wars, but it wasn't until Empire Strikes Back that some people started taking more serious notice of it. For, you know what I mean? Like, 
Um, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, I yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, this is not a change from Destiny One to Destiny Two. This is a what has gotten people on the Destiny bandwagon in general type thing. Yeah, I mean, fantastic visuals, the best, if not without a doubt, second best gunplay in the industry. Um, great music okay story at least if you just play the if you're just playing the game like you you get an okay story you you get a very serviceable story and a great a great multiplayer um experience or slash co-op with your friends um the ones that stick around are the people who really enjoy grindy game experiences slash mmo lights uh or enjoy playing with their buds with their buds plus all of the above. So my journey really quickly, Eth, this will be my final thought is because we've never really talked about it. I mean, we talk about it in pieces um, uh, with destiny is very interesting, which is I played the original one. I saw the attraction. I was obviously turned off by live services and stuff, but you know, I, it, it took me a while to understand Bungie's position. I think no one understood Bungie's position until they left Activision definitively, and then everyone understood Bungie's position. Um, and you were like, dude, now Forsaken is the real deal. You can get it for $20. You said this. You're like, you can get it $20 on the PlayStation. Just get it. You have at least 50 hours of content, which is exactly what I put into the PlayStation, actually, was 50 hours. Um, something about the 50-hour mark. Mass Effect Andromeda is 50 hours. Assassin's Creed is occasionally 50 hours. Um, uh, Ghost Recon, 50 hours until I kind of got off it, but I'm not, I'm not off Destiny. I have to put on another 50 hours on the PC that you so lovely, uh, uh, lovingly uh, donated to me and helped me build, and then I upgraded a bit, and it looks absolutely, and it's performing absolutely spectacularly on the PC. Uh, you and I have had some disc- uh, heated discussions about keyboard and mouse versus its controller, which is hilarious because I was the PC overlord snob in the 90s, he was like, I'm never touching a, a console controller and I'm only playing keyboard, mouse, or joystick with flight simulators and so forth. But after all that time on the PlayStation, now that I have an Xbox controller, which is so much better, especially with the PC, uh, it, it's, I was like, there's no way I'm going to learn all these key things. And I just enjoy playing with the controller. I'm already, pl- I play so much better now uh, with a weaker class, I think. Um, and so it's been interesting going through level 50, but I don't know if it's because I bought the complete package on Blizzard for $40 when I went to PC, like everything, like all the seasons, but like I've gotten way more loot in the, I've put in 10 fewer hours, but I'm more powered. I have higher light value or whatever. I have a higher power number and much better loot than I ever had on the PlayStation. I don't know what to to put into that, but I don't care because, well, maybe I'd rather be a Titan or a Warlock in my current character. I've I've embraced you know being a, a Titan. Uh, what did I say? No, Warlock Hunter. I'm um, embraced being a Titan. 
um, on it. So, um, uh, as we head to the close here, man, run through the, the three classes and what you, you think of them, because, um, I don't think you would disagree that, you know, the fighter rogue mage, you know, trio that's in every role playing game and all the subclasses come from those three, essentially, in almost any major system that you look at these days, even really complicated ones like Divinity Original Sin or um, uh, Pillars of Eternity and so forth. It, it all derives from, ma- you know, magic, skullduggery, <laughs> or fighting. Um, and that's sort of how this goes. So what, what's your view of the, the three-class system? Is it enough? Do they have enough subclasses to those classes? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's certainly enough um, for a couple reasons. One, I think they're not in a position to be balancing more than three classes worth of classes. Uh, two, um, lore-wise, it would there. There's no good way to fit a new class into the game. It just isn't. Um, so it would it would it would be a terrible time trying to fit it through the lore. They you know, to really shove it shove it down people's throats. Um, now, uh, with the subclasses in D1, it was a way better system. And with D2, when they were casualifying everything, mm-hmm. you know, they built this framework so that, um, it's very unusual. Not, I don't, I don't think I know an RPG that's like this, uh, but the skill tree, you know, you have two branching paths or three branching paths, and then you're confined to picking one of them and only using the perks in that tree and you can't diverge out. You can't, you can't split pick anything. You can only pick that one branch path. And that is just, it, 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 it killed so much class diversity that D one had that D two does not have. Um, and so the, uh, that's a huge thing that needs to change if not in D2 for D3 or whatever the next, whatever the next thing they're making is mm-hmm. that needs to change. Um, uh, Titans need a huge PVE buff. They need to figure out what they're doing with that class because yep. that class is utterly fucking useless in PVE. It's a mess. Titan is absolutely a mess. Totally, like, and, and you, you've been having a lot of fun with it, uh, which I. But what, what's for like, well, I'm, later, I'm also huge. playing sixty plus frames per second with a much better controller on a much better system, and yeah. so everything yeah. is but, easier right now. I mean, and, and, and don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think the Titan class is fun. Like, I think there's fun things you could do as a Titan. The problem is, is when you get the end game. Right, there's only one skill tree. There's only one thing you can do to be useful to your team, mm-hmm. and it's all in not even one subclass. It's in one subclass tree. So which is which? Which is what? The play. It's the um, it's the it's the it's the hammers one, but it's the one specific. It's the top tree specifically. Yeah, actually, it's the, the void. Uh, even though the void's the first one, the Captain America shield throw one. The void has a lot of like shielding and buffing of um, uh, of people. I haven't used it at all solo, but actually, that was maybe the one I would one of the. Now I haven't opened up the third skill tree because I have to get the spiritual seed of enlightenment or whatever the fuck it's called. 
um, to get the third one. But um, I, I think I would use. Uh, I, I, let's put it this way: I, I use the 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 fire one just for throwing hammers at bosses, basically. Um, I mostly yeah. use Sentinel because I, I find the two grenades um, and just the general Sentinel abilities uh, enough. Um, to be honest with you, though, man, like I don't in a game that's so competitive in terms of the shooting, you should be able to shoot your way out of disadvantages with some of the classes. And I didn't think the hunter class. I know the hunter class is seen as much better, and you're the expert, but, like, I mean, throwing knives, are they that powerful? They probably Uh, probably are, yeah. In one of the trees, yes. Because, like, having a jump to the side thing as a special ability you can do that as a non-special ability with the warlock the warlock is the is the best uh, clearly to me the warlock is most powerful with my warlock I, I, again i'm i'm using the the fire abilities which are the initial abilities i'm using one of the earliest skill trees and i use that with the sunshot and i just murderize even on the playstation murderize everybody with the warlock yeah and you, you haven't even experienced the strongest warlock class. That's the funny thing. But um, I, but I like I, the idea that I could be a support character, you know, um, uh, as you, a sentinel. You haven't, even, you haven't even played the support class. That's the funny thing for the warlock. Um, no, no, no. But I'm saying, I'm saying, as a as a um, uh, uh, as a titan, I, I like the idea of putting up shields. Like I've been in like. Uh, like just for an example, uh, so okay, so <laughs> you know me. So this is the game that converted me to multiplayer, Ethan. Right? So y- you've you've resisted bragging, and I do appreciate it. But uh, this is this is the game that converted me to multiplayer, at least in PVE, uh, even with total strangers. So describe the Mars um, recurring uh, community event. I'm blanking on on the, the terminology. So it's called Escalation Protocol. Escalation Protocol, and which I've ha- done a couple times is, now. Yeah, It's a very unique event. Um, most events awesome. in Destiny cap out at six players, at least on your team. Right, um, right. This event is a unique event where up to nine players can be engaging in it. Mm-hmm. And it is just, it's the closest thing to a horde mode you get in Destiny um, where there is just ads everywhere and not just like little red bar ads like they start little red bar but then they get really strong and tough and there's bosses everywhere and this and that and you you're just with these other eight players and you're just absolutely slaying everything and there's some micro objectives along the way but not really you're mostly just you go through these seven waves of incredibly intense action and you get to the end and then there's this boss that has um the chance to drop three very rare weapons that are very powerful. And the thing is, um, right, and that's how I got some of my gear, but the thing is, man, is when you hit level 50 plus, you need something like a massive horde mode to challenge you in a group of people. And the reason I stuck with it, because Ethan, if I knew what it was ahead of time, at the time I first did it, I would have been like, I'm, oh, I'm going to get bored of this. But 
seeing all of these players who I know are way over. Le- I mean, I'm just at level 50. I'm at like 510 right now. These guys are all at like 750, right? And so seeing them run around scared and like actually need my help on something, I was like, this is cool. This is awesome because anywhere else, you know, they're murdering, you know, uh, enemies with like two layers of shields and tons of hit points in like three seconds. And uh, like, I can't even, it's it's like Call of Duty. We play Call of Duty on easy. Your teammates are so effective that you have to like sprint in front to like shoot the bad guys because your guys are so effective. They're shooting. Ghost Recon can be like that too. You can go through whole bases where you just are ordering your guys to snipe them and you only get to shoot a couple bad guys. Um, But does that make sense, man? Like I'm someone again who would not normally be into multiplayer and who would not normally be into horde mode, but the way it's set up and the way that you have to chase them, by the way, which is also cool, but there's also multiple points of entry for the bad guys. I mean, it, it is, it's insanity, but because they do it outdoors, this is the difference from doom and quake because they do it outdoors in Mars and they have these big sweeping landscapes, it gives you the feeling of space even while they keep dropping tons of people. And then they give you like relics, like uh, old swords that you can use, dude. And Ethan, 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 I got to tell you, I I applied some of my Witcher sword skills today during one of the more heated battles. And I just, I absolutely murdered it. Like, I couldn't believe how complex the sword mechanics are. Like, it's more, did, did it's more complicated than Assassin's Creed, easily. Did, did you get the sword fly? The sword fly? Yeah, did you get the sword fly? I know that. Was... So, because the, the way that that relic sword works, um, this was unintended, but they kept it in the game uh, back in D1, so they ported this over to D2 specifically for this event. Um, and basically the way this sword works is versus the other swords, like those heavy swords that you can equip, um, basically you can do the light attack in the air, but it doesn't it doesn't prevent you from keep light attacking. So you can just keep light attacking in the air and you just float across the screen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of fun. What I love is there's never a respawn restriction on community events. And so it encourages you to be completely homicidal and suicidal. And they reward you. Because, like, if I spend every last ounce of energy to blow up a boss, mostly myself, even if I die, they drop some serious shit on you. Yeah. But here's the thing, man. Here is the thing. I'm 100 hours in, basically, to Destiny. And I know it's a looter shooter, and I know that's part of the attraction. I love playing with my loot, but that is not what is keeping me going. I, I wouldn't keep doing it, you know? It has resource gathering. It has narrative missions. It has side missions. Uh, you know, it, it has a lot of that stuff. And by oh. the way, Ethan, by the way, these lost sectors, you know, you know how, like... Uh, in the, for a while, you see all these like doors with portals over them that you can't go through, and you just know they're going to be future levels. Up, oh, all of a sudden, lost sector, new level. I mean, 
God, it must be so fun to be them programming these lost levels every, every week or month or every couple months or whatever for us to, to discover. I'm, I'm on board with the live service. If Bungie is really is, is truly in love with this thing as I think they are, then, you know, getting new avenues and new doors and new passageways in these same planets. I mean, I love Titan. You know, most people probably hate Titan. I love Titan. And every, if there's any little tiny new thing in Titan, I, I, I I, I love it. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, uh, what's it called? I mean, part part of a looter shooter, right? And everything you just described is the first half of a looter shooter. the The first half of a looter shooter is the gameplay, the base gameplay, whatever it is, right? For Destiny, it's shooting aliens in the face and doing cool, ridiculous bullshit. Um, for stuff like for stuff like Borderlands, it's way more on the other side of it. Uh, for Division, it's about the tactical gameplay. For uh, you name it, there, there's a specific end to it, right? Um, but uh, getting back to Destiny um, and, and the looter shooter thing, you're engaging in that first half of what it means to be playing a looter shooter, which is the gameplay itself is already so refined and perfect that you do not need anything else because the gameplay itself is perfect. And what reinforces that gameplay is the shooter, the, the, the looting part of the looter shooter, where you're constantly given new and better things to right. repeat but that. That wouldn't be enough is what I'm with. saying. I'm saying it's, it's that plus enough new gameplay modes with each new planet right. and, and, and level. I mean, and the fact that Forsaken is... Dude, that's what I'm, that's the thing. People would say like, "Oh, you spoiled yourself on Forsaken watching Skillup's review." I'm like, "No, it actually motivated me because it showed how interesting and different approaches they're taking to some of this, you know, content." Yeah, yeah, th- th- that's what I was trying to say. Is it's like, you know, the 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 way the way the game is built is shooting alien equals fun. Now let's build the game literally around shooting alien equals fun. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what they've done. Mm-hmm. And they've made it perfect mm-hmm. because the, the shooting feels great. The engagement feels good. And then you're rewarded for both of those things. So part of, so I, you know, I told you guys how I went back to destiny and ghost recon on PlayStation after playing them on PC and it was like laughable destiny to me still looks great on PlayStation. It's just a little choppy and not enough frame rate, but graphics wise destiny looks spectacular on, um, on the PlayStation. I just got a 15 foot HDMI cord so I can plug my fucking, uh, G force into my uh, 4k television, baby and play destiny. I cannot wait. Um, uh, but, uh, dude, I'm telling you, I, I perfected having the flying warlock who could shoot with the sun, sun spot, sunshot gun from the air while you're floating around. The enemies cannot defend against that. I mean, I would just murder them and murder them and murder them. And now I find myself using the sun shot again because, it's it's just so efficient. It kills three, four, five, six bad guys at once when they're clustered together. It, 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 is it just me, or is this the most overpowered thing in the game by far? And they just leave it in there 
because they expect people to challenge themselves more, which I try to do, but when this shit hits the fan, I always go back to the Sunshot. Sunshot actually needs a buff. It's just you. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm good because I I know how to use it because of my usage of it. Even though I can't fly, I I know how to shoot in the middle of crowds, and that just disrupts everything. Uh, Melee units, melee bad guys are totally screwed because they cluster together, and half of them already are explosive. And you know how the sunshot works if it explodes and explodes and explodes. That it does it. It works on bosses. It has an extremely high DPS. Um, I, 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 you know, uh, look when it's when it's fallen or is it the Vex that use the uh, arc energy? Who's the bad guys that use the arc energy all the time? All the races. The purple. Have who are the purple guys? Types. The purple guys. The purple shields. No, the purple uniformed aliens. You know, they kind of slink around. They kind of they cloak a little bit. They're, oh, the, the, the Fallen. <laughs> the Fallen. The Fallen, right. Okay, so half of them have arc energy. So if that happens, then I, I will switch weapons as I'm getting battered because I'm like, well, <laughs> I take the risk runner uh, <laughs> and just, you know, run into uh, people throwing arc lightning at me and just... I'm like, you're like Scarface, you know? You're like holding a machine gun for like three minutes straight. To me, that's less fun. To me, the Sunshot, uh, it, it, even though I consider it overpowered, you said it needs to be buffed, I consider it overpowered, but it's fun because I still have to aim it, and I still only have seven or eight bullets before I have to reload it, and it is a long reload, and now I don't have my floating warlock which, you know, I think with my new skills and my new PC and my new controller, with my floating warlock, I would be completely unstoppable uh, with that particular build. I'm not willing to go through the game again uh, for a third time, unfortunately. Um, so uh, that's, I guess that's not going to happen. Um, but it, it's, I guess the story, <laughs> the interesting is just that, you know, the necessity of the limitations of the PlayStation was like, okay, warlock plus flame powers plus flying plus sunshot that was just like the equation that that worked why do you think it needs to be buffed what other gun i mean i know there's the what's the um uh, the rampage uh gives you a 3x on damage as you're shooting but in terms of exploding like bombs it's like you're throwing a grenade while you're shooting the gun and it's a one-hit kill on most small to medium characters uh what, what am I missing? So mo- the the optimal kill loadout for weapons in the game is um, either A, you have some auto-reloading mechanic. So uh, there's a Warlock ability that will let the auto-reload your guns. Just, just You shoot something and it just puts another bullet in there. The small shield launcher. also does that with the Titans, but yeah. Yeah, and, or, or you use the Rally Barricade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you either have that going, mm-hmm. or you have something that will proc when you kill an enemy. Generally, when you kill an enemy, and it will vastly increase your reload speed. The Sunshot does not have a a high 
ammo capacity in its magazine. It only has eight, which is the lowest of all 150. It has eight, engines. but if you shoot two to three bullets in a bad, big bad guy and it blows up four or five, then you have to consider that 15 bullets. That's mathematics. Yes, but if those explosions don't hit my... If they don't hit my enemies, and there are more than four times the enemies you're currently fighting in any situation that you are in the story mode, in most activities, then the Sunshot becomes much more useless because you have to keep reloading it. You're wasting time reloading it versus other right, guns. Which is why I supplement it with a submachine gun or a super fast auto rifle. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, so your situation is building. But that I love submachine guns, by the way. Dude. The thing that, I didn't realize that's is that's good. Because submachine guns shoot so fast, it keeps the other en- it keeps the enemy from shooting at you. And so it has a secondary effect that you don't normally think about. Get used to that going away. Because that will go away. Oh, I'm sure it will go away. And I was never interested in submachine guns in the first place. But, um, you know, with mid-level, you know, I mean, level 30 to 50 enemies, uh, but the the lower level ones. um, uh, But yeah, but yeah, again, when I get arc energy going, I switched to the fucking risk runner. And it's, you know, again, it's like Scarface. But yeah, my normal loadout is um, I have a pulse. Okay, so two two guns I never had appreciation for before is the pulse rifle. I love the pulse rifle because while the pulse rifle shoots three or four bullets at a time, it's almost an insta-kill if you at all g- g- shoot at the head of the bad guy um, for, for, for lower level guys. Uh, and they reload quickly, and it's very powerful. Uh, pulse pulse rifles are great. I still haven't figured out fusion rifles, and shotguns just don't have enough ammo for me. But sniper rifles, holy shit, I can shoot sniper rifles without aiming, and it's like shooting a rocket. Um, so sniper rifles and, and pulse rifles. Um, but yeah, dude, I have a really, really customized, upgraded uh, pulse rifle and kinetic and I use the sunshot and energy and a rocket launcher and power and honestly I've been doing pretty fucking well I mean I still die more from bad jumps than from uh, from fights uh, in the game um, and uh, I would argue that I, uh, the, the controller versus mouse thing but I'm not good enough either way the problem is even if I did mouse and keyboard I wouldn't be good enough to prove the point one way or the other but I, I don't know it's, uh, it's, it's tough it's tough you feel very just, strongly I, talk I, to I, the audience about, the, about this you feel very strongly about mouse keyboard for the game like this well quickly before I do yeah. I, just want, I, I just want all these recordings to be saved so that once you, in another 50 hours, when you go back and listen to Sorry, these and listen to yourself talk, you're going to feel, you're, you're going to feel your, like your mind's going to explode. So that's all. I mean, I but was literally mouse, using mouse keyboard playing Doom and Quake before you were born. As, so as, I don't as, need as, a that, lecture it, it was, from it was you. Referring to that. No, 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 no. It was referring to that. It was referring to okay. everything you just said about gunplay. That's all. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, now, and I, I look. I haven't been forsaken, and I'm not at 750, so I obviously don't have access. I saw your profile once we joined clans, and you know, I obviously don't have access to that stuff. And I'm sure it's way better than the sunshot. But I'm, but up to level 50, from level 30 to level 50, the sunshot is just very efficient. 
you know me, I don't, you know, I don't like to take forever on these levels. And if I can be a little aggressive with grenades and the sunshot and the power ability, I'd rather just mow through enemies, to be honest with you. Um, and that's my biggest, <laughs> the best thing I can do as a, um, uh, as a Titan in PVE, the, 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 the giant, the large shield actually works well to recover health. Uh, but it's not nearly as effective as the warlocks health circle thing that they do. Um, to be honest with you. So I, I don't know. Um, Oh, but what I was going to say was during <clears throat> a, ver- a difficult part of one of the Mars, uh, what's the, they're called the, 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 the horde mode. It's called Escalation Protocol. Yeah, um, Escalation Protocol. Um, there was a part where there was just annoying enemies to one side who were shooting us while we were trying to defend the other three sides, and I just threw up a shield between two rocks, and everyone could just focus on everything else going on. It seems like a small thing, but like it's a nice little it's a nice little power to have uh, when you're playing with other people, and it reloads pretty quickly even if you're not doing special abilities, but especially if you do special abilities, you can reload that shield very, very quickly. They don't make you wait nearly as long. Um, and so I feel like with the Titan, with the two grenades and the power charge, which, dude, you can power charge a, um, a Sentinel? What are they called? Uh, Centurion. Um, or higher, even. You can power charge a Centurion or higher and kill them and everyone around them with a single charge. And it boosts your other powers, reloads your grenades, which you have two grenades. I don't know. It's pretty sweet. I, 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 you know, I think the warlock's way overpowered. I can't speak to the hunter. Why don't we end on that, dude? Because rest in peace, Nathan Fillion, uh, and, uh, Kate, nine, uh, Kate six, uh, classic hunter, you know, the, 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 the cybernetic hunter, what, you know, I, I'm trying to use mainstream language here. Um, it's such a cool look. Do you agree with me though? Because like, the Forsaken, it's just Cade or or someone like Cade. Like all the logos and imagery is is the Exos with with the Hunter gear because it looks amazing. Because everyone wants to be a rogue, man. It's just like in Skyrim or anything. Like everyone wants to be a rogue, and you know if you can be Nathan Fillion in a rogue, it's absolutely brilliant. By the way, who are who are the Hunters reporting to now? We don't know. What do you mean, we don't know? It has not been decided yet. So they don't have the anyone way, to go so, to? Okay, 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 okay. So the way the way the Vanguard works is the Vanguard is three members, and one is of each uh, of the classes to mentor Guardians. The Hunter gig is unique among them because none of the Hunters want it. So the only way that they get a hunter to do the job is to dare each other into doing it. And so if they don't do it, it basically tells the other hunters that they are a coward. At the same time, if they do do it, they're hmm. stuck there and they don't ever get to be a hunter again. Hmm. So it, uh, so Cade did dare someone. I forget who it was. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. But we have not seen that person succeed the Vanguard position yet. I think, it, it just really quickly, as a writer, the problem with Cade was not that he was overly jokey or in inappropriate places. The problem was they tried to make, <clears throat> they tried to portray him as like this roguish scoundrel 
who barely cared about humanity and then sacrificed himself so nobly when obviously he was such an out and out good guy. Um, like they tried to portray him like Malcolm Reynolds when he was acting more like Captain America. Honestly, <laughs> how about how about you read Cade's lore and then come back and tell me it's not Malcolm Reynolds? I'm not saying it's not Malcolm Reynolds, but I'm just saying the writing for Cade was inconsistent, and it all it came together and worked because of. Um, Nathan Fillion. And that's the important thing. So the experience worked. So that's the important thing. You're talking about reading the lore. This is a problem, though. I mean, we have way more people playing Destiny 2 than Destiny 1, and that's great. And Forsaken apparently did not send people away. This is the whole Dark Souls <coughs> Bloodborne thing, which is that, you know, those games sell millions of copies. They don't need easy mode, right? <coughs> um, and so... You know, people are playing it. I don't know how many people are reading the deep lore. I think there's ways to communicate that within the game. Uh, some of the interesting stuff you know, that wouldn't require that. We, we've established we, we've established several times that yeah. they are not very good at getting the bigger, more important stories into the game. At how would you do it? How would you do it? Because I, you know. The, the the major disappointment about Anthem was that it was Bioware, right? The disappointment about Anthem wasn't the scope or that it was EA. It was that it was Bioware. And uh, it, it was all three. No, it was all three, at least for me. Well, but even the, the, way I, the way I would do it, the uh, way I would do it, right? Here's the thing. Well, no, really, just really quickly to finish that point. Job. Destiny steals a lot of things on the surface level from Mass Effect and doesn't follow follow up with it. I'm not saying they have to. It's a totally different game. But even, you know, I mean, the Citadel and the Traveler, I mean, they, like literally, you know, it, it, they steal tons of stuff from Mass Effect. Everyone steals from Mass Effect. That's fine. I appreciate that they're stealing from the best. I just wish they would take it in a different direction, be a, bit, a little bit more deep without having to, to read the lore. And I'm going to read the lore because I love that stuff, but I'm a writer and I'm a super nerd. I don't think most people care. But people cared no, about Joel and Ellie in The Last care. of Us, just, and people cared about uh, Commander Shepard and uh, Mass Effect. You know, People really do care about those characters, so I don't know. Can, 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 can I respond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh... I think people do care. I think it's just that they do a very poor job of getting people invested because the reality of it is, is for so many years it's been, haha, Destiny's that game where you have to go to a separate website to read the lore and read to find out the story. See, Bungie is so used, Bungie for such a long time was used to. We're gonna tell this story because uh, this is this is Halo. This is Halo. I'm talking about. We're going to tell the story and people are going to understand it and it's going to be deep and interesting when we're going to tell it all through a, camp- a cinematic campaign. It That has never worked for Destiny. Once has never worked for Destiny. I just, there's maybe, maybe, maybe Taken King has worked for it, but. There's it, little the things they really. could do. Like when you yeah, play, when you I, play, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Well, don't kind of, I, I, I know you're getting there, but I'm going to butt in real quick. I'm pulling Bizzle here real quick, which is. When you play StarCraft or StarCraft 2, when you get to each campaign, there's two video options. 
One is just says like the cinematic and one says the story so far. So you play the story so far and it literally catches you up on all the StarCraft lore up until that point. And then the cinematic is the two and a half minute cinematic to get you pumped for the campaign and set the stakes with, you know, the Zerg, Protoss or humans or whatever you're, you're playing or whatever. It would be very easy for them to do a series of five to 15 two and a half minute lore videos that people would easily eat up on Bungie.net and or YouTube and or the Destiny site. They even do this in Ghost Recon. Ghost Recon has videos to explain the lore when you get to like major mission points. It's it's laziness on Bungie's part. It's the only major thing I'm going to criticize them on uh, as part of the, the larger uh, critique. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to disagree. Okay. They are incredibly hardworking with so many other things, they do not have the resources to take time to make. Well, that's a choice. Here's the thing. That's choice. Do, that's do, a choice to not have the okay. resources. Uh, okay. Okay. No, it's not. That's 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 game development. Uh, no. Sorry, I'm going to disagree with that statement. Um, here's why I'm disagreeing with that statement. The reason why they stopped doing so many cinematics for Destiny is because they took so long to make. So long with the architecture this game is built upon, it takes so long to make these cutscenes and these interesting cinematics and these interesting story bits that there, there's a reason why there are so less and less of them since Destiny, since Red War. There are less cutscenes in uh, Forsaken. There's like what? There's like four, I think. There's four versus Red Wars, which is like, I don't know, seven or eight or nine because it takes so much longer to make these that it does just creating a lore book, adding it to collectibles in the world so you could go out and find them. And then you have a completed book that the, that you can read at your own leisure that is a, going to create a better story than the cinematic will. That's the road they've taken, and that's a better road they've taken, in my opinion, than the alternative, which is make a rushed cutscene that is not going to give you the whole story. Unfortunately, neither one is perfect and neither one is complete because, again, the, the lore is still not catching everybody. It's still not this grandiose story that everyone's super hot, pumped and hyped to see. It's happens. between the Avengers and Batman v Superman. It's nowhere near as. Uh, d- d- you know, dark and depressing and boring as Batman v Superman, but it's nowhere near as compelling as the Avengers at each other's throats in the original Avengers movie. I mean, it's somewhere in the middle there, and they just got to keep bringing in writers who are devoted writers, even someone like John Gonzalez or or, or, or Corey Barlog from God of War or someone of their class, a, a full time. A plus level video game narrative writer, even if it's only part time, uh, to it's write the some of this stuff. It's not the answer. Well, then, then don't expect people to care about the characters or the story that much, or, or the people lore. People do care about the characters. People care about the characters. People care about the story. The problem is not the story itself. The problem is getting the story to work in a game like this. People didn't buy Forsaken because Cade died. People bought Forsaken because they fixed a lot of the crap that they had in- installed right. before then. Do people do people play WoW for the story? No, they don't. They play WoW because it's an MMO. 
at least the majority of people play WoW because it's an MMO, not because they care about the story. There's the story more concern the and of the, the major building. players about the story in in WoW than Destiny that I can say, but I could be I, I could be wrong. The again, so and I don't really care about the story. I just care about the world building. Just keep expanding the world. I don't need. Which are side? They've been doing that since day one. Yeah, no, I know they're doing a great job. I'm, I'm saying, you know, I'm saying there's, there, there's a middle ground between cutscenes and lore, uh, uh, engrams or whatever. I, I don't, I, I don't understand your complaint then, because if it's not a complaint, it's just a show don't tell, which I'm always saying, which is show me your universe, don't tell me. I'm going to give you one final example and then I'll give you final word. My final example is I say that my other than Uncharted 2, my favorite Uncharted game is Lost Legacy. And even though Lost Legacy was it was a short game following Uncharted 4 and it was Chloe Frazier, you play Chloe Frazier and the new character voiced by Laura Bailey, uh, the South African woman whose name I'm blanking on right now. And the two of them go on an adventure in India and Chloe Frazier is half Indian and it's a very, very fun Uncharted adventure, but they're constantly talking with each other while running around doing stuff about... They, they both have daddy issues. They both have multicultural issues. Um, you know, they've done some bad stuff that they're dealing with. They don't totally trust each other. And all of this comes across while you're running around, you know, uh, d- driving Jeeps and, you know, swinging, uh, vines between, you know, mountaintops and so forth, uh, uh, organically. And they do this in Destiny a little bit with their little jokes, but I, I would expand it. I would have more dialogue just straight up talking about the world, not about the specific mission. Like in the period where you jump on your speeder bike to get to the next thing in a minute and a half instead of five minutes, you can have quite a bit of dialogue between you and your ghost and Zavala and Akora and the hottie Asian chick from Mars uh, and, and and so forth. Uh, so that's, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying any major revolutionary changes. I'm just saying throw, you could throw in some world building as you're running around. Um, you haven't you haven't played strikes. And so the strikes is your is the answer to what you're, you're commenting on. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Again, this isn't a criticism. This is just a me no, I'm, loving I'm the game and wanting it to it be. A criticism. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you yeah. that you haven't played strikes yet, and yeah. so strikes do that for Destiny. That is right. Destiny's answer to what you're asking for. Right, but you know, people have complained that like Hawthorne and the dude in the EDZ, and like you know, then you got the annoying alien AI and Nessus. Like they could do more with those characters. All of them have potential. Uh, the voice actors and the characters have potential. They just need to explore it a little bit more. I, I, I think they do, though. Okay. They do. I don't. They they do. <laughs> they do is my answer. They do already. Well, we're we're an hour fifty two into the official recording, and this is like my only critique. So I, I, you know, I feel like it's fair for me to get it out because, dude, dude, dude I, it's yeah. fine. It's fine as your critique. What I'm trying to say is they do, mm-hmm. they do, and I, I don't. I, I it, it's it's cool if it's not for you, but they do do it for me. So. Well, you know, I'm, and then there's also alter, you know, alternate play modes. I, I, the 
one of the reasons I love Titan is because Titan is such a tight environment, but there's so much verticality in every inch. I mean, there's some tunnels in Titan, but mostly it's a ton of jumping and verticality. Um, and, uh, as opposed to just sprinting, you know, for minutes or riding your bike or whatever, I really like the sort of economy of, of, of Titan. Um, Mars has a little bit of that, I guess. Earth has some interesting stuff, I suppose. Um, but I would love to, for them to explore more vertical environments and do what, you know, Deus Ex and Dragon Age do, which is they're not open worlds purely, but they have very detailed environments. But I know what you're going to say is as you get into Forsaken and the, uh, what's it called? The Tangled Web? What's it called? Short. Tangled Short. And, um, and then I've heard about the Lost Shores or whatever the fuck it's called is it gorgeous. Um down the road we won't we don't have to spoil that for anyone but that was how uh skill up ended his review i was like oh my god this looks amazing um but i know there's you know they they spent a lot of time on that asteroid field um uh making it sort of semi-open the world and again i love that they keep expanding uh stuff um it would be fun if there was a building mystery i guess is what i'm getting at it's less about giving me lore through easily digestible ways. It's more about like building. So you're building competitions, you're building a Eurozone run, you're building a Gambit thing, you're building a Crucible thing, blah, 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 blah. That's all great. But why don't you build a mystery each month to reveal a little bit more about this mystery in the story? It could build towards Destiny 2.3. It could be built towards Destiny 3. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's what I would do. Um, because you're you're a big fan of 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 uh, New Vegas, um, and you're not a Bioshock guy, right? Mm, no, but you like a little mystery in your games, right? I mean, it, it's nice. All I, I'm I feel gonna like, say, yeah. All I'm gonna say is spoilers. Mm. Well, they already killed Nathan Fillion. So I don't know how much worse it can get. That's not the spoiler I'm going on. All right, buddy. All right. So your final word, your final thought. Um, well, you can have any final thought, but my final question to you, leading to your final thought, uh, which may be your final thought, is what is your feeling about the state of Destiny Two or Destiny franchise in general, mid-2019, considering we've been talking about this for years, and over the last six to eight months, I've gotten super into it. Bungie came out the other day and said, we need two more weeks to work on the game, so we're going to push back the release date by two weeks. And I was like, hell yes. That's applause-worthy. Absolutely. Absolutely applause-worthy. I am very excited for the future of the Destiny franchise. I think that I think if and when Shadowkeep becomes a massive success, uh, we're going to come out of the aftermath of Shadowkeep, where there's going to be a year of content following. The next gen consoles are going to come out, and we're going to have a lot of talk about very likely Destiny Three or Destiny Universe Online or whatever they want to call it. Like, is it possible, Ethan? Is it possible that? The, the positive side of Activision's legacy during this period will just be having let <laughs> Destiny go. Like, that was, like, one of the best things they've done 
act as Activision is just let Destiny go. I, I, you know, I mean, that's a that's a big thing. I mean, there's no there's no lawsuits. There must be an exchange of money of some sort. But just letting Destiny go, it doesn't make sense. It never made sense, and now it makes even less sense than before. But God bless them. If yeah, you have any I mean, insight, they, they, I don't they, know. They, they dropped it because of their because of uh, mm-hmm. what they were doing those mass layoffs. Mm-hmm. They just saw this as another chance to lay off more people, so they said, mm-hmm. "Let's get rid of it." Quick life question, and I'll let you go. Why do you think it looks so spectacular on the console? They must have a console-specific t- big team because it by far looks better than anything other than Horizon and God of War, which are specifically made for the PlayStation. So other than the PlayStation-specific games, Destiny easily, even though it doesn't move as well as my PC, it still looks 85 to 90% as good, to be honest, in the important parts. One of the core things I've heard is that the lighting in Destiny is very good. It's the color and the lighting, yep. It's the color and the lighting. Yep. Uh, Bungie's skyboxes are just like it's shooting. Some of the best, if not the best in the business. That helps. Uh, minor thing, but that helps. But more, but moreover, it's the people to work at Bungie are some of the best in the business. And like they do a really, they work really fucking hard and do a really good job. Well, in like, Destiny... Oh, go ahead. There's a reason why, like, like I said, when it was focus tested, like the when it first came out, like it was built to look really pretty and be fun, and then nothing else, and then obviously everything else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was built to look really pretty and play fun, and then it was meant to not do anything else after that. Well, and let's not forget, the original Destiny was specifically billed as a deep MMO experience for console people as well as PC people, which World of Warcraft has never achieved. Um, And you could argue they achieved it in Destiny 1, but they've definitely achieved it to this point in Destiny 2. I mean, let's say five years into the Destiny experiment, right? Yeah. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, this was great. Yep. We'll have to have a further LAR podcast down down the road. We'll do a news podcast as well with Austin. Uh, final thoughts? Uh, warlock Master Race. <laughs> Are you a Warlock? Yes, I am. I'm uh, a Warlock mate. Yeah. Which, uh, which skill tree do you, do you use? Depends on what I'm doing, but if I was to choose one, I would say firing off Kamehameha's. And the arc subtree is really really fun. Oh, the the arc, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, the third the third arc tree is you just fire kamehamehas. Yep. You can't really go wrong with with the warlock. With Titan, you're like, how can I make this work? With the warlock, you're like, what am I going to use? <laughs> Warlocks are literally just overpowered anime characters. They really are. It's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Uh, but I actually like my character character uh, better. I don't know if it's just because she's human or whatever, but I'm into my Titan character more, but she's definitely way less powerful. So, all right, buddy. Well, this was great. Uh, guys, you can check uh, Ethan L underscore Fedorable on the Twitch and the Twitter. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Twitter at this 
particular time. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, man, uh, Destiny is doing great. You must be. You must be at least excited that it's doing, still doing well. I'm always excited. Ethan's always excited. You wouldn't know by looking at him. All right, folks. Thank you so much. This has been the Bizzlecast uh, mixed with the awkward controllers. Tuckin' Destiny 2, baby. Forsaken. Rest in peace, Nathan Fillion. But your service is extremely, extremely well appreciated by this particular Bizzle. Bizzlecast out.